Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference kicks off at an unusual time. The company just wrapped up a bitter court battle with Fortnite maker Epic. US and EU regulators are increasingly looking at the power it holds with its App Store. And it's also enduring the slings and arrows from Facebook over its privacy policies. So what will WWDC look like? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. With me to discuss this is Apple expert Ian Schur. So it's an awkward time for Apple. What kind of conference are we expecting to see next week? I am expecting to see a very similar conference to what we always get, right? Which is the the kind of nerdy, very kind of silly side of Apple. I mean, this is, I feel like WWDC, um, which is what they call their Worldwide Developer Conference, uh, I, I feel like that is Apple at its best for the nerdy crowd. Um, they tend to have a lot of kind of inside jokes. Uh, they even hire often the actors behind their uh, their ads, right? Remember PC and Mac? They would often hire them to do extra skits for WWDC. So, you know, it, it, it'll have that kind of air to it. But what's important really is that even though Apple may not directly acknowledge what the last year has been like, which is really, to me, having followed this company for, for a long time, I feel like last year was rather, I know it's annoying to hear the word unprecedented, but it, it, it feels like, I mean, for Apple, this is a really tough year. And so th the fact that they're going to kind of be rallying the troops and doing their, you know, rah-rah Apple thing in the middle of that, I think it takes on more significance. Absolutely. And, and, Looking at the show, I mean, what are you expecting to be some of the big highlights or big themes of WWDC? Uh, so for the most part, I think we're going to hear a lot of the stuff that we've been hearing from them before, especially around stuff like privacy, which I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook will be really happy to hear about. And uh, also, they're probably going to be pushing really hard on kind of justifying in a lot of ways what they do for the community. I think that the last year they've been uh, they, they've gotten a lot of pushback and this perception, I think, that, you know, they that they charge too much in the app store. Right. The whole thing with Epic and Fortnite was that they the the cut they take of sales is too high, 30 percent at the highest and that they should lower it. And, you know, last year they actually did. They lowered it by half for most developers. Uh, but there's definitely this, this sense, I think, that the community feels like, especially the bigger developers, feel like Apple isn't doing enough to justify its place in the ecosystem, as it were. And so, you know, they're not going to directly respond to that. But I think that they're going to you know, be like, hey, you see that great API we wrote? Oh, look at that amazing technology we created. You know, I think we're going to get a lot of that. Right. And I agree that privacy will likely be a big through line for this show. Speaking of which, you published a scoop on Apple bolstering the privacy features on its AirTag. So I know we're supposed to be talking about WWDC, but I wanted to segue just a bit for that. What exactly did Apple do with its update? Yeah, it, this was really interesting. So I'd been following the AirTags conversation a lot, particularly as they were coming out and there was a lot of concern about 
uh, how they could be misused, right? Because they work really great on your keychain. I have one I played with, and it definitely does the job. But, you know, I think that the question I was trying to kind of wrap my head around is, you know, what are the edge cases that Apple either planned or didn't plan for, right? And how are they dealing with that? And that includes the positive, right? Like, when I thought about AirTags, I thought about all the times I got lost as a little kid in art festivals with my parents, right? And I would just run off to a booth and suddenly my parents weren't there. And I would and I would just, you know, I'd be found crying at one point or whatever. And how much easier would it have been if they had an air tag in my pocket and could just, you know, have their phone find me? And I think that that was something that I kind of wanted to understand a little more. And that's what led to that I think Apple trying to make a point about how much they're really committed to AirTag's privacy. And so on Thursday, they said, okay, what we're going to do is change the timings for these AirTags. We're going to say, you know, instead of doing three days for when they'll make a noise to alert you if you if they're on you and you didn't even know it, let's say that, you know, someone surreptitiously put it in your pocket, um, it'll make a noise because it knows it's moving, it's got an accelerometer in it, and it knows that it's not near its home iPhone because it's not wireless communicating with it. So it'll say, hey, did you know that there's an AirTag near here? And it'll it'll alert you to its presence. So now it's gonna do it, instead of three days, it'll do it somewhere between eight and 24 hours. And every time you move it, it's gonna, you know, it might make some more noise and stuff like that. So they're really trying to kind of de deter people by saying, look, you can't trust this thing to be a reliable, quiet, thing that you can put on someone's body. Um, and, you know, look, I'm, I think it's really tough for Apple to be able to build a device like this. You know, we can justify, we can debate whether or not they should have even put it out there in the first place. Um, but we're past that point. So the question now is, okay, well, you know, this technology is out there. How can they responsibly have it out there and make sure that it's used for the purposes that we intend it to be. And I think in a lot of ways, they're trying to answer that by playing with the technology behind it, changing the timings, you know, changing the firmware. They're creating an app for Android that will actually kind of, you know, I think of it like, a, a, you know, one of those sweepers that they have for the spies to tell you if there's a bug in the room. And it'll actually alert, apparently, someone with Android about whether or not there's a Find My or a AirTag uh, nearby you. And that, it, again, the kind of underscores in a lot of ways, I think how Apple's trying to say, look, we're, we take this seriously. We know that this is something you're worried about. Right. So that is interesting. And I imagine that uh, we'll hear a little bit more about that at WWTC, hopefully. Um, beyond beyond that, though, I mean, how else do you think privacy might play a role at the, at the conference? Do you think that they'll take a veiled shot at Facebook or Google, for instance? They certainly seem to be making an art of it. I, I feel like every year you can kind of point to some sort of way that they've that they've kind of wink wink nod nod you know elbow punched uh, over it at facebook or google i think that this time around what will likely happen is we're going to see more technologies designed around creating this privacy because apple i mean they sell their products on it literally they put out an ad just a few weeks ago that was all about how they stop other people from tracking you on the internet and very clearly designed 
first off, to draw attention to iOS 14.5, their latest software update for the iPhones that really overhauled how privacy works, but then also to make that commitment to their community, right? And to, to draw attention to it. So I imagine we're going to see more of that, but I think it's even taken on a larger uh, kind of meaning beyond Facebook and Google, right? Now, Apple is kind of, we are the temple of privacy. You know, you can, if you buy our stuff, we're go- you can really trust we're going to do our best. And look, they're, they're not going to be able to stop everything, but it's very clear they've found that they're, they're, they have to live up to their marketing, right? They can't, they, they, they have to really stand apart from what they've been doing, what everyone else is doing. And this is what they're doing. Right. And beyond privacy, because uh, I want to talk about some of the other expected announcements. Uh, iOS 15 obviously is going to be a big part of the presentation. iOS always is a big deal at these things. What are we expecting from the next version of the iPhone operating system? Yeah, the biggest things that we've heard the rumors about are that they're going to play with the way that notifications work. So they're likely to get a little more robust. Think of them being more interactive and easier to work with. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like I am in an avalanche of notifications all the time. And maybe that's because of the nature of my job. But you know, it's just, it, it's not, it's never ending to the point where I've actually, my Apple watch, I, you know, there's a little red dot that tells you when there's notifications waiting for you. You can turn off that red dot. And I have, I don't even, I don't even want my watch <laughs> to tell me. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. I think they're going to work on that because they do need to come up with some answer for the anxiety and also the never endingness of notifications. And I don't know how you fix it. But somehow they should they should try and fix that somehow. And then the other thing that a lot of people are looking toward is that they see that the uh, the message that they sent out on the internet saying, "Hey, prepare for WWDC." The picture they used was using a, a messages app. Right. It looks like it's a blue bubble and it's WWC in the middle of it. And everyone's kind of like, wow, looking at it. They're all these uh, memojis. And so a lot of people are starting to think, well, Apple may have some more messages stuff to announce, which I think would be really good. I mean, one of the things that uh, they got a lot of criticism over during the Epic trial was that uh, iMessage is uh, perceived to be a lock-in, right? It's only available on iPhones. How interesting would it be if they made that uh, more accessible, whether it's on the web or on other platforms? I don't know. I'm probably talking crazy talk now, but it's, you know, something around messages is likely to be announced. Right. And last year, they showed off the M1 processor for the first time. Uh, what updates are we expecting when it comes to Apple Silicon and just sort of their their general strategy for these new MacBooks and, and Macs. Yeah, I, this whole transition's gone really well. Uh, if you look at the reviews we've done on CNET as well as other places, uh, the perception is that these M1 chips, which if you remember are designed uh, using very similar technology, almost the same technology as what's built into the iPhones and iPads, right? So these are smartphone and tablet processors that they have done really well transitioning them to be computer processors. 
And so now I think first off they're gonna they're gonna take their round of applause, uh, which is what they did last time around when they switched to Intel. You know, a year after that, they're like, "Look how great this has gone!" And and to, <laughs> look, I, I, they they deserve that. It has gone really smoothly for them. Uh, and I think the next thing they're gonna do also is to talk about what the next step is because all we have gotten so far are what I would call the consumer end of these chips, right? They've been the kind of entry level and the mid-tier level. They've been in the MacBook Air, in the Mac Mini, in the lower end iMacs, in the lower end MacBook Pros. And what that means is that they work great for that, but it's very clear Apple has decided they're still selling Intel versions of the MacBook Pros and the iMacs. And it's very clear that they have something planned there, right? They, they're gonna transition away from Intel and I think the question is how, what are these chips going to do? And I think hopefully we're going to find out during WWDC. Got it. And I know there's been a rumor out there about a home OS, which we haven't heard about before. What, what do you think that's about? Yeah, so Apple is part of a partnership, actually, between Samsung and Google and a couple of other companies. I know it's crazy to think these companies that hate each other also work together sometimes. But um, this this kind of uh, group, uh, they have the standard they're creating called Matter. And the whole idea, which we've written about on CNET, Stephen Shanklin's done a great job on this, is really to try and standardize a lot of this smart home technology. You know, right now, when I moved into the place I am currently, we had some um, smart, uh, uh, we had a smart doorbell, we had smart light switches, and all sorts of other stuff. And they all spoke different languages, right? The doorbell spoke rings language, the light switches spoke Z-Wave, I had another thing that was that was running a language called Zigbee. And so it's just kind of annoying because suddenly all these things have to somehow work together. So Matter is supposed to help fix this. That's why it matters. <laughs> and so I think it'll be really interesting to see what Apple announces around that. My guess is that Home OS, whatever this is, will be their 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 kind of description of the technologies they're building to very easily work with all these other standards and really make it easy if you know if you're an Apple developer be like hey just use this home OS technology and you'll be able to talk to any light switch you want which I'm totally fine with if it works all right well uh, lastly any other surprises or anything you're hoping to see from WWDC yeah, I mean, I am perpetually fascinated by the conversation around Apple's uh, VR glasses. Uh, you may remember uh, Shard Tipkin a couple years ago uh, broke the news of how Apple was working on these wireless headsets that are just, I mean, they're, they're, they seem magical by a lot of today's standards, right? They are AR and VR. They are able to do all sorts of stuff. They aren't connected to the computer. They're wireless. And uh, we haven't seen them. We know they exist, right? We know that there are patents on them and that they are working on them, but Apple has not shown them. And even though they've talked a lot about AR technology, they haven't really gone that next step. So I am perpetually hopeful that at some point Apple will spell out its tech, its its decision more than anything because I'm fascinated by how they're going to do it. You know, everyone else so far who's done AR and VR, it's a money hole, 
right? If Facebook is is pouring tons of money into Oculus, the most popular VR headset out there, but don't, you know, don't kid yourself. It's not like it's a big business, right? And compared to the rest of Facebook's business anyway. And same thing, like if you think of the other ones out there, like Magic Leap, I mean, come on, the company gave up on the consumer market. Microsoft has their HoloLens, but it's making its best headway in the business world. They are not selling it to consumers. Apple is a consumer company. So I'm really curious how they see a, a path forward for this stuff. And so, you know, selfishly, I'm curious how they're going to do it. But I, I would not put money down that they're going to announce it this year. Right, right. Well, we can always hope. Well, Ian, thank you for your time. You can check out our WWDC coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate, subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.